your money and he comes back and you throw him a party. And the dad looked at the older son and he said, and, and he uses the language so cool here. He says, son, he, he doesn't say, hey boy. He says, son, he said, son, you have been with me always and all I have is yours. But your brother, and he calls him his brother. So the older brother said, this son of yours, but the father says, oh no, he's your brother. Your brother was lost. And he's back home. He's found. And it is right for us to celebrate. It's a great passage. And uh, books have been written on this one parable. If you remember the setting, let me remind you of the setting of the parable. The, the, in Luke 15, verse 1, we looked at this last week. Luke 15, 1, there were religious people who were really perturbed that sinners and rated R sinners, you know, bad sinners. They were, they were drawing near to Jesus to hear him teach. And Jesus actually sat down and had meal with them, had, had, had a meal with them. And they, the, the, the hyper-religious, these, these sanctified, sanctimonious folk, they were upset at Jesus said, this man eats with sinners. You know, like that was a terrible accusation. And and so that, that led Jesus to correct the religious people, get their hearts right by showing them the heart of God the Father. So what I want us to do is I want us to take a moment. I want us to look at the heart of the Father, God the Father. See, in the st- parable of the prodigal son, that's how we know it, it's really the parable of the Father's heart. But in the parable of the prodigal son, there are three characters that we find. Uh, main characters. There's the father, and that is a picture of God himself. There's the younger son. That's a picture of all of us sinners who are separated from God by our sin. And then there's the picture of the older brother, and that's the religious cat. That's the guy who thinks he has done no wrong and fails to recognize that he once also was the younger son. Um, so what Jesus does, he takes these three characters and he shows how God relates to religious people and how God relates to rated R sinners and how God's heart beats for both. What, what I want us to see today is, you know, we need, we need to have God's heart as ours. And, and we need God's heart to really drive how we relate to other people. So often we relate to other people based upon what we think is um, uh, acceptable uh, or correct. How many times have we uh, sat in our sanctimonious huddle as religious people and we screamed at those people out there and how bad they are and how wicked they are for what they believe or how they behave? How, How many times have you done that? Say that one again, Ralph. Thank you. All right. We, I'm going to start using him a little bit. Uh, you know, one, of the things that we, one of the things that we do is, and I do, I'm guilty of this. I look at people who are far from God and I think, good gracious, no wonder our world is in such a mess. I can't believe them. I can't believe, I see some of the things that go on and, 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 oh, good gracious. I mean, crazy stuff. I mean, we're living in weird days. We are living in weird days. I, I'm, 
All right, this is free, and, and y'all don't send me emails about this, okay? When Time Magazine says the man of the year is really a woman, we live in weird days. You know what I'm saying? Biological woman who, or biological male, no, don't clap because it's sad. It's, it's, it's really sad. And we're, we're living in weird days. And, and, and yet, we, we shouldn't be screaming at those folks. They're like the prodigal son just looking for a little bit of satisfaction. Why in the world would we uh, ridicule or make fun or any of those things? They're lost. They're looking for satisfaction. They're looking for life. And the heart of God beats in a particular way toward folk who are far from God. And we need to have the heart of the Father for them as well. Because what Jesus is really showing us is that the heart of God is the heartbeat of our mission as a church. Amen. It's the heart of God that defines. And, and again, it's so easy for me to stand here and ridicule the sins of people who are out there and act like, oh my goodness, I can't believe how wicked and bad and, and silly and insane they are. And, and I, I'm guilty of that. I'm, I'm, I'm confessing that. I'm guilty of that. Uh, but maybe today we need to hear more about what God's heart is for them. Now, God's heart does not bend the truth for the lie. God's heart does not bend truth for the lie. Never. Never does that. God's heart uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't compromise the Word of God uh, for the uh, uh, satisfaction or the, uh, uh, for the uh, making people who are in their sin feel better. He doesn't do that either. But God's heart is always beating for the sinner to be rescued. And is that you? Is that me? Not, look, it's easy for us to sit in our sanctimonious huddle and scream about the sin outside the camp. That's the easiest thing in the world. But that's not really the heart of God. See, the heart of God sent a Savior for sinners outside the camp. Now, I want you to think about this. Aren't you glad that the Holy Trinity, the Godhead, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, didn't sit in their own holy huddle and make fun of you and me in our sin and say, boy, they can just go to hell? Aren't you glad that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit determined that Eric Thomas was a sinner and he needed saving, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to rescue him. Amen. That's you and me. Yeah. We are sinners, unworthy of God. But God's heart man, wants to save sinners, all the sinners. You, you realize that? There's not a sin that anyone does that is out of reach of God's rescuing love, nor is there a sinner who God has destined for judgment simply because of the type of sin they do. What God longs for is for sinners to be rescued. That's what Jesus is getting at here. The reason the religious folk in Luke 15 were upset is because Jesus was breaking their code. He was eating with rated R type people. And they thought that was bad. And so they accused him of being bad. Uh, in other places, they accused him of, of uh, 
of, of, of being a drunkard because he would eat with sinners and drunkards. You know, I mean, they were upset that he wasn't, he wasn't sitting in their own respectable circle and pointing his finger at the sinners outside the circle. Now, the temptation for us, if you've been a believer for some time, or you, the temptation for us is to do that very same thing, for us to scream and yell and ridicule and demean those who are outside the camp. But that's not the heart of God. If the, pro, if the parable of the prodigal son teaches us anything, it teaches us the heart of God is to rescue those who are lost in their sin, regardless the type of sin they need to be rescued from. All right, so what I want us to do is I want us to just see the heart of God here and see how it has to drive how we do life in the seven cities of Hampton Roads and around the world. As we look at this story and as you hear the story, first thing I want you to see is uh, the heart of the Father is a heart that is broken over sin. And certainly the, the Father is brokenhearted because His Son disrespected Him so much. And, and that's in the text, right? I mean, the, the Son has disrespected the Father. He said, give me an inheritance. He wasn't do that inheritance. It, it wasn't supposed to go to Him yet. He was treating His Father as if His Father was already dead. And so certainly there was in the heart of the father a brokenness because of the disrespect that his son had shown him. And, and certainly, certainly you and I have disrespected God by our sin. Make no mistake, there's not a person here who has not shown that same level of disrespect toward God in heaven because every person here, me the chief of us, we are sinners against God. And every sin that I commit shows disrespect and dishonor to a holy God. So none of us in this room, not one of us, not one person in the story of the prodigal son, not one person in the historical reality of that and context of that moment, not one person except for Jesus Christ himself was without sin. Only Jesus who was telling the story, had never disrespected God. Everybody else had shown dishonor and disrespect to a holy God. Every person here. So, it's so often what we like to do is we like to see, uh, see ourselves in one of these parables and we want to be the hero of the story. Uh, we're not. We're not the hero in this story. We're the one that's broken the heart of God with our sin. Do you realize Sin breaks the heart of God because it disrespects Him. It, di it dishonors His holiness, but sin breaks the heart of God because He knows what it does to us. Sometimes we miss that. We think God is the great joy killer. He doesn't want us to have any kind of fun. But the reality is God knows what sin does. God knows what sin does to you and to me. To the, the father in the story knew what the choices of the younger son was going to do to the younger son. In a search for satisfaction, chasing a rainbow to an elusive pot of gold at the end of that rainbow, the son was going to end up destroyed and in despair. And in the same way, that's what sin does to every soul. Every soul is eaten up, eaten alive, killed by sin. And that breaks the heart of God. 
It breaks the heart of God. Sin destroys. Sin destroys and, and, and God's heart breaks over the destiny of our sin. The reason we know it breaks the heart of God is because he did something to fix what our sin has done. So here's the thing. Our hearts need to be broken over the sin of others. Not stand in, um, I've got to be careful. We do make judgments about sin. We must. But not stand as if we have arrived and sinners are just, just pitiful. They're just, oh, I can't believe that. It, it, we, we need to have a sense of humility about us, knowing that we once were sinners separated from God, and we once have broken God's heart. And if you sin today, guess what? You're breaking God's heart because of the disrespect we show Him. So now we need to have a heart that's broken over sin. Over, over our sin, yes, but, but as we look at those who are far from God, we need to be heartbroken for their sin. I can tell you right now that, that it breaks the heart of any parent when they know their son or daughter is walking a path that will lead to their own despair. It just breaks our heart. It hurts us. It, it, it wounds us. When we watch a son or a daughter make adult choices that are going to lead to adult consequences, right? That's painful. Imagine how God feels when he looks at you and me or when he looks at the sinner on the boardwalk doing all kinds of crazy. God's heart breaks for sinners. As followers of Jesus who've been rescued by God's grace, we need to have a heart that breaks for sinners. What needs to drive our church is not this um, uh, sanctimonious huddle that we have, always pointing outside the camp saying how bad everybody is, but our heart needs to be broken for the sin around us, in our family, at our work, among our neighbors, our classmates, and in, in our neighborhood. We, we need to be broken, heartbroken. Not because it offends our sensibilities, but because it reflects destruction and despair that that person's going on. You saw the story of the prodigal, right? I mean, he walked this path, chose rebellion, chose to live outside of, of his father's embrace, and he ended up feeding on pig slop in a pig pen. I, I've got to tell you, I think that's where sin leads every person. Every time. So our heart needs to be broken for sinners, just like God's heart is broken. Uh, God's heart is a broken heart for sinners. God's heart is a longing heart for sinners. Do you realize that even in our worst sinful moment, the heart of the Father is longing for us to repent? I want you to see in the story how this plays out. The father, so the son is in the pig pen eating pig slop. That's the image. And verse 17 says, and when he came to himself, that's the language of repentance. The son understood, I need to be back with my dad. I need to return home. I need to look 
to my dad. And the only way that he could get up out of the pig pen and make his way to his father's home was through repentance. The very act of getting up and going home was an act of repentance. The, the only way for sinners to find the embrace of the father is through repentance. Repentance is necessary. And God's heart is always longing for repentance in the heart of a sinner. He's looking down the road, the father in the story. He's looking down the road for his son. And it's not just a one-off. It's not just one and done, but he is looking down the road every day, consistently throughout the day. He's looking down the road. And then the day came, and he saw his son coming home, and he didn't stay dignified. He didn't hide and look to see if his son had respectable clothes and respectable haircut and face shaved. No, the father lost his dignity and ran to his son, ran down the driveway, grabbed his son, fell on him with compassion and kisses. All because the father was longing. That was the father's longing heart, to be back in relationship with his son. Now, when we look at sinners, we need to look at sinners the way the Father looks at sinners. We need to have a heart that longs for their repentance. A heart that longs for them to say, oh my goodness, what kind of life have I been living? Oh my goodness, what am I doing? I need to get to God. Every other quest has ended up empty. Every other chasing of the uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow has ended up dissatisfying. I must get to God. And when we see those around us who are far from God, do we look at them longing for their repentance? That longing leads to an urgency. We talked about urgency last week. That longing leads to an urgency. That longing leads us to talk to them about Jesus. To talk to them about how they can find hope and peace and life and love and forgiveness through the embrace of God the Father. That longing that we have for our daughters and our sons and our neighbors, for our coworkers and our classmates to enter into a relationship with God, that's the heartbeat of God, longing for their repentance so that they might be part of God's family. Oh, my friends, may we have that kind of longing for sinners. Do you see it? Why did Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because the heart of the Father longed for those sinners to hear the truth of God's great love and find the forgiveness that they desperately needed at the hand of the Savior sent to rescue them. Why in the world are we sitting in our little solitudes Complaining about how bad those people are, but not doing what the heart of God demands. Go to them with the good news. Go to them and lead them to repentance. There's nothing soft about this. It's calling the people to repentance. It's calling sinners to see the truth, the only truth, the absolute truth of the gospel. That's not soft. That's hard. But friends, when a sinner comes to the end of themselves and recognize everything they're doing in their life is just being in a pig pen, eating pig slop, even the hard truth of repentance makes sense, looks attractive. They say, yes, 
I'm ready to repent my sin and come to faith in Christ. But you and I, we have to be like the Father, longing for their repentance, working for their repentance. The heart of the Father, the heart of God is a heart of of, uh, brokenness over sin and longing for sinners' repentance. It's also a heart of love for the sinner. Let me tell you something about this story. We focus in on how the father responded to the son when the son got home. Verse verse 18, he, he saw him when he was still afar off. The father ran, hugged his neck, kissed him, had compassion for him, loved him. But in the scope of the story, it's very clear that the father loved the son when the son was in his home. He loved the son when the son ran away, and he loved the son when the son returned. That is God's love for us. God loves us even when we were still yet sinners. So much so that he sent Jesus to die for us. Yes, we are rebels with rebel hearts against a holy God. But God is a loving God who longs to lavish us with his love. So much so that he sent Jesus to take the penalty and the price of our sin upon himself. To die in our place upon a cross. To be raised from the dead to give us forgiveness and a new life. Yes, God's love. God's love is the sweetest thing if you've experienced it. It's it's the most powerful thing if you've tasted it. Yes, God's love given to us through Christ and his forgiveness that he delivers to us, that love is experienced when God in his grace forgives us. Have you been forgiven by God? Part of God's loving heart is a forgiving heart. He, He forgives sinners not based upon our performance, but in spite of our performance. Not based upon our getting our act together, but in spite of us not getting our act together. God has loved us so that he would forgive us by sending a substitute to take our place, taking the penalty of our sin upon himself, Jesus, the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, who has come to display this wondrous love of God the Father, the heart of love that God has for sinners just like you and just like me. Jesus died for us on a cross so that we might be forgiven our sin forever. So that we might be fit for God's family. Forgiveness always runs along the track of God's Uh, God's forgiveness always runs along the track of, of, of our repentance. So when we repent our sin, place our faith in Jesus, God, who loves us, forgives us and says, welcome home. Do you know what God's heart beats? How his heart beats for the worst sinner you can imagine. It's easier to imagine other people as really bad sinners and not us. The worst sinner you can imagine. Do you know how God's heart beats for those sinners? Same way God's heart beat for you, a sinner. His heart beats in such a way that he longs 
to forgive you. That forgiveness moves along the track of repentance where we recognize that our sin has separated us from God and only His grace can bring us into God's family. That's how God loves us. He sent Jesus to die so that He might forgive us. Okay. So as a church, how do we love sinners? As followers of Jesus in this room, how are we loving sinners? Again, this love doesn't bend the truth. It doesn't compromise uh, the, the absolute truth of God's Word. It calls sin exactly what it is, sin. But friends, it loves the sinner. It longs for the sinner. It is brokenhearted for the sinner. And it moves and it works and it acts so that the sinner might be rescued, so that those who are far from God might find life through faith in Jesus Christ. To love the sinner means that we've got to stop making fun of the sinner. It, it, it just can't. You know, I, there's, a, there's a strain of church-going people, even pastors, who think that the only way to navigate this crazy time with crazy cultural things going on is to castigate individuals who don't act, believe, or behave the way we do. They believe that the best approach is to call them names and tell them how bad and wicked and ugly they are. I'm not against telling the truth, but by God's grace, I'm going to tell the truth in love. I'm going to wrap it in the love of God's grace that saved me, wicked sinner that I am, and brought me into the family, unworthy though I may be. Are we loving the sinner like that? Moving along the track of love and truth, we understand that the best way to approach those, especially those who are so consumed by Um, their own ideas, their own prodigal type life. We've got truth that we've got to share. But friends, when you wrap that truth in love and they know your love for them, that truth begins to pierce even to the depths of their being. So sitting on social media and throwing lobs at folk that are far from God and acting like you've scored some points, I just don't think that's the right approach. I don't think that's what this passage teaches us. You realize that sinners, the worst, the rated R sinners of Jesus' day were drawn to him and they wanted to hear the truth that he taught? So let's be like Jesus. Let's be like Jesus. And have the heart of God for sinners. God's heart is a broken heart over sin. It's a longing heart for sinners' repentance. It's a loving heart that forgives sinners when they repent. It's a heart that celebrates when one who is far from God comes home. May we be a church that celebrates like heaven does. 
So what can we do about this? I've tried to, I've tried to include some things as we've gone and, and maybe hit some points that um, we all need to be confronted with. I know I need to be confronted with. But what, what are some things that, 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 some action steps? Well, the first thing is, if you're far from God, come home to God today. If you are far from Him, if you're separated from God by your sin, look to Jesus as your only hope right now for forgiveness. He died for your sin upon a cross. He was raised from the dead to give you new life. And if you will repent your sin and place your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, He will make you fit for God's family and He will bring you home. So if you're in the room today and you have yet to become a follower of Jesus by placing your faith in Jesus and repenting your sin, I invite you today, first and foremost, I invite you today to come to Christ in faith. If that's who you are, in a few moments when we stand to sing songs of praise, you come and you tell one of the ministers, today I need to, I need to become a follower of Jesus. And we'll help you with that. If you're online uh, or coming forward is not your cup of tea, then I encourage you to uh, uh, to email pastor at firstnorfolk.org or uh, text Jesus to a number on the screen that will come up later. Uh, but, and we'll come back to that. But do not let this moment pass until you become a follower of Jesus. Until, until that happens, you're headed for despair and devastation. And brokenness is your everyday diet. Please come to Christ. What else can we do with this passage? Church, we need to help people who are far from God find life through faith in Jesus Christ. There's, There's no plan B. God made this church with one mission. Understand, this is the one mission. To help one more person escape hell and enter heaven. It it is our task. First Norfolk is planted here so that we might help those who are far from God find life through faith in Jesus Christ. We are his plan A. And if the world is going to hell in a handbasket, as Jesus predicted it would, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to have the heart of God, the Father, and go after those who are far from him and introduce them to Jesus. Uh, there are cards, these invite cards, Easter cards. If, if you uh, hesitate on talking about Jesus to your neighbors and friends, at the very least, you can hand them a card, invite them to come to Easter worship. Uh, after the 930 service, uh, one of our young boys, not mine, but one of the young boys in our church, uh, mama asked the little boy, how many cards do you need? And the little boy said, well, there's, uh, name them. Bill and Tom and Jimmy and Johnny and named eight friends that he needed to bring with him. Eight one mores who were far from God who needed to find life in Christ. That's a little eight-year-old boy. What's wrong with us adults? You pick up a card and invite somebody. Neighbors, coworkers, classmates, friends, family. Let's invite people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to help those who are far from God find life in Christ. And then finally, we need to celebrate. 
uh, we need to celebrate the new life as it happens. At the end of last week's worship gathering here at 1030, we celebrated the new life. A couple that came at nine o'clock and said, oh, we, we need to be baptized. We, we, we're follow, we, we have become followers of Jesus by hearing the gospel, and we need to declare it publicly. And we as a church celebrated at the end of that worship gathering. Amen. We need to celebrate new life. We need to celebrate it every chance we get. The one thing we shouldn't do is be like the older brother standing on the outside looking in saying, I can't believe the people that are coming to my church. I can't believe how they're dressed. I can't believe how they behave. I can't believe the people that are coming to my church. Don't be part of that sanctimonious, siloed group of people that can't celebrate new life coming to Christ. Let's celebrate. Guys, this is what gives our church joy, the very thing that gives heaven joy. That is someone who is far from God finding life through faith in Christ. So today, my challenge for all of us is that we would have the heart of God, that our church would move on mission based not upon our traditions primarily, but that we would move forward on mission based primarily upon the heart of God displayed in Luke 15. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Again, this morning, if it is your heart's desire to become a follower of Jesus Christ, you know that you are far from God and that your deep desire is to choose Christ today, to repent your sin like the younger son in the story and to turn to God, to look to Jesus as your only hope, I invite you today to come home to the Father. Our ministers will be here at the front. They would love to talk with you and pray with you. You can go to the Next Step station after a worship gathering, or you can email pastor at First Norfolk or text Jesus to the number on the screen. So whether you're online or in the room, I invite you today Choose Jesus and be made whole. If you're part of God's family through faith in Christ, and especially if you're a member of First Norfolk, I want to challenge you. Be burdened as God is burdened for those who are far from God in your sphere of influence. Have a burden, so much so that it moves you to action that we as followers of Jesus would long to see repentance in that one person that God has put on our heart. So maybe today, as a follower of Jesus, you just need to come to this altar and pray. Pray, oh God, break my heart for that sinner in my life. Break my heart for that one who is far from you with whom I go to school or with whom I work or in my neighborhood. Maybe you need to come to this altar and ask God to give you a broken heart that longs for their repentance, that loves them the way God has loved you. And maybe you need to come to this altar and pray for God to open the door of opportunity to invite one who is far 
from God. Invite them to gather with you here at this worship gathering to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and experience new life that he alone delivers. Father, right now, pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts and burden us as your burden for those who are far from you, for those in our family that we are yearning to come home to your embrace, for those of our friends or our neighbors. Oh God, give us a voice to speak into their life the truth of the gospel. Pray for any in this room or online today who are not yet followers of Jesus Christ. I pray, oh God, that you give them the courage and the faith to take that step to cross the line of faith. Say, yes, I need to repent my sin and place my faith in Jesus. So, Father, I pray that you would be glorified in these next few moments as we worship you.